You're listening to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Fly the W670 Podcast. We're calling this one The Cubs Got Trey Mancini. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W Podcast. Here's a conversation with the Marquee Network's Cole Wright. Joining me now on the Fly the W Podcast, you know him as the host of the pregame and postgame coverage on Cubs Live Cubs 360 and Cubs Classics, and much, much more. He is the ringmaster of the Marquee Network, Cole Wright. Cole, how are you doing today, buddy? Hey, Crowley, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Th- thank you, the ringmaster. I-, I-, I like that a lot. And, and you're, that's not the normal backdrop. You, you at work right now? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's always, sometimes it's wherever I can get a recording done, that's where we get it done. But yeah, not the normal backdrop, like not the clubhouse. But, you know, it's uh, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. First time I ever really was introduced. I know, Cole, you love every sport and you've covered every sport. But the first time I really kind of was introduced to you was CubsCon 2020 when they were kind of rolling out the big marquee debut. And that had to have been amazing for you because you grew up Chicago area native, right? What, Naperville, Joliet area? Yeah, born in Joliet, lived there till I was 12, moved to Naperville, lived in Naperville, Aurora, you know, lived in Aurora more so than Naperville. You know, my parents, they now live back in Naperville. But yeah, I mean, just lived in the area my whole life, you know, grew up a Cubs fan. I mean, obviously, Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson, Lee Smith. I mean, those were the guys that really made those first impressions on me. I mean, whether it was Luis Salazar, Vance Law, Leon Durham. I mean, it, those are the guys that I grew up with. Those guys were the soundtrack to my summer. So, you know, at Cubs convention this year, to, to be able to sit there with, with Mark Grace and, and Sean Dunstan and to watch those guys just have real-life friend conversations, not just baseball conversations, just things about life in general. I mean, it's it, it was a pretty surreal moment, and they continue to be surreal moments because, like I said, these, these are the guys I grew up watching, and, you know, to, to now be able to share a, a piece of their lives with them, it's it's nuts. So do you remember the first time you ever went to Wrigley Field? I've been to so many different games. I I don't necessarily remember the very first time I went to Wrigley Field. Early memories that you have. Early, earliest memories you got at Wrigley Field. I'm trying to think. I I just remember in when I was in high school that I would go with my dad and we would go, I mean, the, my earliest concrete memory, which I know probably flushed everything else out. And then I, I, because I know I went to Wrigley field before the all-star game, but I mean, we did a, we did a cartoon, a caricature of it because I went to Wrigley field for the all-star game. And I remember sitting on, on the, the step at my house uh, on the front porch, there were, there were these, these black chairs that were, were wire and they're like little crisscrosses. And it, it, I think we got them at adventure. But here, here nor there. My, my pops asked me that night. It was, you know, obviously a summer night. The sun was setting and you're you know, just coming in from doing whatever in the neighborhood. And my pops was like, hey, you want to go to the All-Star game tomorrow? It's at Wrigley Field. And I was so excited. I'm like, you, you have tickets to, to the All-Star game? And he's like, I, I, I didn't ask you that. He's like, do you want to go to the game tomorrow? So I said, of course I wanted to go to the game. So we got up bright and early, went down there. We're circling around Wrigley Field the whole time. And I didn't know what, what we were doing. And uh, eventually... I, I saw Renee Latchman walking into the side door right across from the side door that used to be there right across from the fire station. I remember just looking at his hand, the, the world series ring that was on his hand was enormous. And you know, I liked the A's back then. Most, most kids did. I mean, who, who did like Mark McGuire and, and Jose Canseco and Ricky Henderson and Dave Henderson and Carney Lansford, that, that squad was hot either way. So we were still waiting to get in because they hadn't pulled up the gates yet. 
So when they pulled up the actual like storm door, the metal gates, they were just like the the ones that had the slats. So we kept walking around again. And you know, my pops eventually saw a girl that was like 16 years old and he showed her a hundred dollar bill and we got in. As soon as they pulled the <laughs> gates up, we went straight in and it was raining that day. So there, it's not like it was a, a sellout because there were empty seats. People didn't want to go. And we ended up sitting right next to the, the stealth bomber pilots that did the flyover. And at one point I was in the restroom and I hear from behind me, like, Hey, come on, kid, hurry up. Other people got to use the bathroom too. And it was Jim Harbaugh as I walked, <laughs> as I was walking off. I'm sure he thought I was a much older kid than what I was. Cause like I said in the story before, man, I was an abnormally large 12 year old. So he probably thought I was about 16 or 17. So uh, I'd never met Jim Harbaugh you know, to this day. You know, when, when I get the chance to meet him, I want to be, you know, Hey, hey have you, uh, did you enjoy that all-star game? Like if, if he wonders how I knew he was there, I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw you on the Jumbotron. But we all know there was no Jumbotron there. I don't know if he would <laughs> he would know that or not. But he, either way, yeah, that, that's my first solid concrete memory. And I think it really did flush all my other memories of Wrigley Field out of there that, were, that, that came before that. Because, I mean, it was such a memorable day. Ricky Henderson threw my dad a ball. I mean, he dropped it. So... <laughs> what? That, that's that's a that's a pretty darn good first memory because god it's been since 1990 since we've had an all-star game at wrigley so hopefully soon right yeah. very soon so hopefully. you were talking you were you were a big kid and, and you know you all of a sudden kind of burst on the wabonzi valley chiefs uh baseball team right you you pitched and not only that you were a hitter you still have the record for game winning hits nine out of 30 in a 32 win season. So like a third of the games, you hit the game winning hit Cole. That's pretty Come amazing. On, Come on. And I, <laughs> I still have it for a career too. 14. That means that I was either really clutch or there haven't been a whole bunch of clutch dudes that have, that have come after me in, I don't know, 20, 20 years or so. But uh, I, I just, I like to play with the game on the line. I mean, you, you want to go out there, you want to win the game. Like when you're a kid, you always dream like, Hey, like, Bottom of the bottom of the ninth, down by one, two men on. Let's go, let's go get it. And it's not always that scenario because you know that you could have the game winning hit like in the first inning. I mean, if that's right. how it goes down. But e either way, to be able to to say that you know you have that distinction, it just to me, to me, it, I, I feel like I, I always try to play hard and I always try to play to win. So if, if that if that is any kind of proof, then, then maybe it is. But I mean, like you said, I was I was a closer too, and I feel like when the game was on the line, like let's go, like put it on my shoulders, let, let's go get it. And it's just, I feel like that, that makes everything that much more fun. And I feel like that's the, that's just the competitor in me. And I feel like when, when you watch baseball and you're able to do a, a pre and a post game show and you're able to navigate the waters and lead fans into that game, I feel like every day it's, it's like a new fresh competition. And it's, it's, it's fun like that because, because it is different every single day, no matter if you're playing the same team, you know, three, four games in a row, it's still different every single day. There's subtle nuances that you can touch on that, that from day to day, you know, can captivate the fan and, and reel people in. And that's, that's what we try to do. Now you then go to college, you were at the university of Tennessee, Martin, and you played some ball and then you uh, transferred to Briarcliff university and you started, uh, you uh, worked towards a degree in communications. When did you kind of have that in your head that, Hey, you know, I might want to do something as far as broadcasting is concerned. Well, I did that when I was in junior college. I thought I was going to be an investment banker like my brother, which would, would have been bad for everybody who would have invested with me. <laughs> I would have had a lot of cats knocking on my door <laughs> under the cloak of darkness. But, uh, yeah, you, you know, it, sophomore year of college at Wabonzi, we uh, we had the ability to 
to do, to work off our our spring trip. So when we were freshmen, we just worked at the at the concession stand or you know help pull out the the bleachers or, or referees at the volleyball games. But as a sophomore, you had the opportunity to either call the games or run the shot clock, and not 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 necessarily call the games, but be the the PA announcer or run the shot clock. And I didn't really feel like running the shot clock because you know basketball is really not my thing. It wasn't then; it still isn't now. I feel like there would be some shot clock infractions and people would be looking at me in the middle of a game. So I didn't want that. So I said, you know what, maybe I'll just be the announcer. And, you know, I started getting into, you know, the, the starting lineups. I, mean, I feel like, you know, being a, a kid in the nineties in, in Chicago and watching the bulls do what they do and seeing the starting lineups, you know, at, at the United center or, or Chicago stadium, you know, those are pretty special. Like anytime you, uh, you, you hear serious, and the Alan Parsons project, you, you know, it's about to go down in Chicago. So uh, that's that's one of the things that made me want to change, change my major, you know, continue that and finished up at Briarcliff, which, you know, lucky for us, we had a, a fantastic uh, mass communications department. Uh, we were right up the street from Gateway Computers. I know those who are old enough old school, know yeah. what Gateway Computers mm-hmm. are. Yeah, but we they gave us a, a, a integrated multimedia lab that was next level. I mean, Creighton, Creighton modeled theirs, I believe, after ours. And it was exclusive to the mass communications program. So, you know, we had, you know, back in 2001 and 2000, we had the, the dual screen computers. We had all that. So you could, you know, the, the linear editing. So you could do all that ahead of schedule. So I feel like we weren't as ahead of schedule as the kids are now because they can edit on their phones and shoot everything on their phones and, and do everything from whenever they want to get started. But we did have, I feel like a little bit of a leg up and, the ability to do that and, and have an internship, you know, right up the street from school, which is crazy because I went to school in Iowa. I interned in South Dakota and I worked in Nebraska and each place was 10 minutes apart. So we were, I was right in that triangle. And it, you know, I, after, after that, you know, I came back home and eventually got a job, man. It's time to get to work. Yeah. And that first job, NBC in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, covering LSU and the same. No, that was, that was, that was the third, that was the third job. That third, third job. job. That would have been fantastic if that, that was, was your if big that was my first though. job. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, I mean, if that would have been my first job. That would have been unbelievable. But my first job was in, in West Texas covering all the teams that were on the TV show or, or the movie Friday Night Lights. You know, oh, I covered you know, cool. San Angelo Central, Odessa Permian, Odessa High, Midland High, Midland Lee, all those schools. And, you know, got to, got to see Colt McCoy. He went to Tuscola Gym Ned. I covered him his senior year of high school. And that dude's still in the league, which is crazy. You know, shout out to Colt McCoy for, for doing his thing, man. And, you know, but uh, yeah, so then I, went, then I went from one place in Texas, from San Angelo, Texas to Tyler, Texas, and was only there for five, five months. And then I went to Baton Rouge. Yeah. Nice. And so, you know, that gets you, you know, LSU and New Orleans. So now that's, you know, obviously kind of much bigger level. And then you get to go to the NESN, the Northeast Sports Network. So that's the Boston Red Sox and the other Boston team, Celtics, Bruins and Patriots. You're an ESPN jack of all trades. You, you go to Fox Sports in Los Angeles. So when I think about this here, you've covered the Red Sox, the Cubs, and the Dodgers. Three very big, you know, epic franchises right there when you think about baseball. What do you think the differences are between the fan bases of the Red Sox, Dodgers, and Cubs? What kind of, would you say, sets Cub fans and, and, and kind of the media surrounding the Cubs apart? You know, the funny thing about it is I feel like Cubs fans are a blend of Red Sox fans and Dodger fans. I feel like 
when it comes to the, the diehard, you, you know, Red Sox fans are always diehard. Sometimes it's to a fault. They'll, they'll, they, they, they'll boo their own players. We've seen that in Boston. We've seen that in, in New York. You rarely see that in Chicago. I mean, the, the one thing that Chicago fans do is, man, we, we support our team. I mean, as much sometimes as you, you want to boo them, you, you don't because that's not what that's not what you do. That's that's your own squad. So that's the one thing I think when it comes to being diehards, which Cubs fans are, but they're but they're friendly diehards and and they're, and they're loyal diehards. They're not gonna they're not gonna boo their their own guy. Like that's my guy. Guess what? Because how, how is he gonna look at you when he turns it around and starts playing well? And I think that's sometimes why guys don't want to play in Boston. And when it comes to LA, that they're great fans as well, and they're not going to boo their fans. But I feel like the energy that they bring to the ballpark is the same energy that Cubs fans bring and have brought for years more than more than any other franchise for for such a a string of consecutive seasons and i I just feel like to to me wrigley field is is my is my favorite ballpark of all time dodger stadium right behind it fenway park not not so much but there's there's other ballparks and there's other reasons why i just feel like it's it's small and, and maybe it's just because of when it was built but wrigley field was built right around the same time if i'm not mistaken you know two years after and it, it's it's a lot bigger. I just feel like everything about Fenway is just and, and when I work worked for the Reds, and no disrespect, I mean it's, it's a fantastic ballpark, rich in history, but there's just little things about it. Like I felt like the, as a historic of a, of a ballpark as it is, there's corporate signage everywhere, and that's the nature of the beast because there you see that at every single ballpark, and you're, you're going to start to see it on uniforms as the years go on. But I feel like there's there just could have been a, a, just a little less. Like, but like I said, epic ballpark. Having gone there right. before and having taken batting practice there before, and you know, and with a metal bat, having gone yard, it's it's pretty special to see and and to think what goes through a guy's head when he's taking hacks, you know, in, in live action there because oh, it looks really close. It's only three eighteen, oh, easy. I can, but then I mean, you're gonna bang some off the wall, and sometimes you're gonna swing straight under fastballs because. I feel like a ballpark can't do that to you. And that's like, you know, that's what Boston, I feel like it is, but getting back to the the Cubs fans, I feel like they're a mix of both. They're a mix of, of Boston and LA. And I feel like you take the best parts from both of those teams. And I feel like that's what you get in, in a, in a Cubs fan, the, the best of both worlds and, and even better. So forever, you know, there's been a lot of us that have been asking for a Cubs network, Cubs network. And finally, you know, the contracts come up and, and marquee network is born. Um, when you heard about that, you knew, right. Did you know right away? Like, oh, I'm going to try to see what I can do to get in on that. Was that something that you were excited kind of jumping at? Absolutely. I mean, I knew that from the very first time I heard it and that was, I don't know, five, six years ago. I mean, this is, you know, b- before, before the world series, I mean, there was always rumblings that there was going to be a Cubs network. So I always said, I mean, hopefully I, at some point I'll be in a position to where I'll be able to go and, and get, you know, a position there. And that's, that, that's what happened. And, you know, the, the way things go and the, the way things work, it worked out perfect for me because, you know, as a kid that, that went to Wrigley field and used to live right down the street from Wrigley. And I mean, obviously has, has pictures with my mom and dad when I was a kid in, in a Cubs hat, when I, I know I was probably about four years old at the Sears tower. Um, I mean, it's crazy. Like being at, at Cubs convention, like to announce all those guys, like it's nuts, man. Like, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I mean, I, I, I wasn't an intern at NBC, but I used to sit in NBC's lobby and wait for Art Norman. So Art could, could look at my tapes and and he would, and he would give me advice and he would talk to me and he helped me 
uh, immensely along the way. And, and Warner Saunders and Alison Rosati, like they, they all helped me along the way. So, you know, just to sit and every time I walk into that Sheraton Grand and look across the street and see there's the NBC tower right there. And I used to sit and wait for those guys. And I used to wait tables at Bandera, you know, so, so for, for, from waiting tables on that second level, right above the Timberland store at Bandera to, you know, waiting around at NBC to hosting Cubs convention. It's surreal. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's fun for me because, you know, it's just like, you guys have such a great team at Marquee, you know, you got Boogan, JD, Elise, uh, uh, you have Taylor McGregor, but especially for you that kind of does, you know, the pre and post, they kind of rotate around a lot of players, you know, a lot of different kind of people take that second seat next to you. Are you, I mean, you seem like you're really comfortable with the different personalities and, and you have to kind of adjust for each different person, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I look at it like, it's just like when we're watching the game or we're getting ready for a show. I mean, it's just like how we are, you know, you know backstage, so to speak. You know, it's those are my guys, and I know that some guys are going to be more high energy than others. Some are going to want to talk more in a highlight. I'm going to need to involve this guy a little more, this guy a little bit less. And I feel like, you know, it's one of the one of the pieces of advice that I always give to you know kids in college that that do the same thing. You know, that 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 want to be that are aspiring broadcasters. I always tell them when you're done with school, or even when you're in school, if you can wait tables, wait tables because. It, it helps you with, with, with interview processes, 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 either yeah, way, but it, it, it helps you because some tables want to talk. Some tables, you know, some tables don't, they, they, they want to know what, what's the, the, the fish of the day. What's the soup of the day. They, they just want the, the bare minimums. And sometimes you have to pull more out of tables because they, they, they do want to engage, but they're not necessarily going to be the ones that are going to initiate it. So I feel like that's, how the interview process goes along too. like some people are going to be good interviews. Some people aren't going to be uh, good interviews. Some people are going to be better interviews when you meet them down the road. Tyron Matthew, one of the best interviews when, when he was at LSU, not one of the best interviews, but to see him come along over the years and to see what he's become. I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable. So it, I feel like that's one of the, one of the things that I would always say, like when it comes to just like giving out advice that I'm to, Kids, go get, go get a job waiting tables, even if it's only for two months. You might find out you can make a whole lot of extra money, and it's it's you know it's a lot easier than doing some other stuff. And I would always tell uh, young cats too, that first job if you if you can avoid being a news anchor, in addition to being a sports anchor, do that at all costs. Because some <laughs> some jobs you'll get okay, you can be the weekend sports anchor, but then you'll have to you'll have to host or, or you'll have to do news three days a week, which means. You'll have to do elections and you'll have to do, you know, you know, emergency situations. And one of the first things to get cut in local news is sports. So one of my, like I said, one of my pieces of advice is, you know, do sports. If you can find a job that's five days a week sports, go, go ahead and get it, man, and take it. No matter where it's, if it's at a small market, go ahead, man. Because the small market I started out, like I told you, man, it was 197 out of like a potential, I think, 213 markets. So it might be 201 now. It's pretty small, man. And I got, I got to tell you, I, I saw that viral video. I don't know if you saw that of the, of the sports anchor doing the weather when there was a hurricane or something. And it was absolutely, I was yeah. dying. I was, <laughs> I, I had to do that. I was on top of and my wife and my, my mother-in-law always make fun of me because in Baton Rouge, when hurricane Ike came through and hurricane Gustav, I was on top of a Walmart with a camera, like videoing people in line 
for MREs, meals ready to eat for the, the military was out there. And like, to me, it was, it was nuts. I'd never been, you know, in a, in a hurricane before. And I mean, it was, it, the, there was the, that, there was a legit calm before the storm. I was driving into work and I was the only car on the road because we had media passes to be on the road. And there was nobody on the road for five minutes. I sat at a stop sign for five minutes and watched it just back and forth. It was the craziest thing. And then to see the aftermath, I mean, it's, we have tornadoes. We don't have hurricanes. That's like, if a tornado ripped through like everywhere, I mean, it was, t- t- it's nuts. So to see him out there in that, in that cold weather, it's like, I, I understand like good sports will get cut first though, as, as he found out. And I found out. Now, one thing that's kind of cool, uh, this is a true story. I, 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 um, I got to walk uh, Lee Smith and Ray Burris back to club 400 Chicago. There's a little kind of place that we have around there. And um, I was watching the end of a game with Lee Smith and Ray Burris. And they're kind of talking as the game's kind of happening about everything going on. Do you, do you see yourself, do you have those conversations during the game? Like, is it fun? Do you get to like watch the game, say with Dempster or Sud or Cliff Floyd, oh, yeah. or do the, is there a lot of talking going on? And do you pick up a lot of different things that when they're, when, when they're watching a game with you? Absolutely. I mean, we sit in the middle of, of our marquee studio, like not, not in the studio. We sit in the middle of the building. Like there's a, a big screen TV. We, we sit around, we eat lunch, we eat dinner, watch the game. You know, I, it, for me, I, I normally, I change back into comfortable clothes, whether it's, you know, in the summertime, it's shorts, shorts and a hoodie. And the, and when it's not summertime, it's, it's jeans and a hoodie. So, you know, that's, that's primarily my uniform. So I change back into that and then I'll change back into a, a, a shirt tie and a, and, a, and, a, and a sport coat, you know, the, the, the top half of what I wore for pregame. And then we'll do the, the seventh inning hit, you know, the fan duel hit. Like, okay, what's what's the line looking like? What do you what do you think? You know, over, over under two and a half runs for the remainder of the game. Like, you know, whether it's Cliff or you know it's Demp or whoever it is with me, you know, we'll, we'll do that. And then we'll go back and we'll finish watching the game. We'll probably, you know, bottom of the eighth, we'll come back out, get mic'd up again, and we'll be ready to roll. It's, it's like I said, it's, it's something else. And so, you know, kind of circling back to where I started first time I see you 2020 Cubs con, you know, you're just kind of on the stage waving your hand, you know, with, with the rest of the crew. And then all of a sudden, you know, no Cub con. I mean, you just, you had a weird year to kind of start a network as far as the pandemic, no fans in the games and all that stuff. But now you're sitting here and, and you were emceeing opening ceremonies and, and you kind of touched on it a little bit before just how amazing is it to, to just kind of be behind the scenes with, I mean, you're talking Fergie Jenkins, Billy Williams, Lee Smith, Ryan, all, all those guys. I mean, th- that just has to be electric for you to kind of be there, like a pinch of myself moment. Without a doubt. And I feel like every time I, I get to interact with those guys, like I've got, a, I got a picture that's, that's right there from our icons of the Ivy show where it was Andre Dawson, Ryan Sandberg, Billy Williams, Lee Smith, who else? Who am I, who am I forgetting? Fergie Jenkins, 267 complete games. I mean, how, how do I forget that off the top? I mean, but it's, I mean, it's, it's right there for me to sit there and be in the presence of greatness. I mean, these, these guys are just, you just, you, you go around the horn and just think of all the accomplishments that they've been able to check off the list. And I mean, just to be able to talk baseball with, with all these guys, whenever, and, you know, I mean, Fergie comes through and he does shows and he came through one day and he gave Carlos Pena a, a, a Fergie Jenkins wristband with his face on it. So he comes through in the, in the middle of the show because Fergie was going to a game and Fergie can do things like that because he's a Hall of Famer. Like we said, 267 complete games 
I mean, like I said, m- most cats would really want to pitch 267 games, period, let alone right. 67 CGs. I mean, just that's mind boggling. But so he walks in, gives Carlos a wristband. And I kind of look up and I'm like, oh, oh, OK, <laughs> Fergie, it's cool. Don't worry. I didn't I didn't want one of those wristbands either. You know, a, a, a Hall of Fame wristband from a Hall of Famer. So the day goes by. Next day, we're doing the show. Carlos and I in walks Fergie, gives me two wristbands. Oh. I mean, the, the fact that he would come back and not even just give me one, but give me two. And he's like, hey, give the other one to your, to, to your daughter. And it's, it's I mean, just to have stories like that, like, my, you know, my daughter has all these things that, that she sees. And I think she's starting to realize. But now with, that she knows, like, hey, this wristband was it was given to my dad by the actual dude on the wristband, <laughs> you know. Right. And I mean, just to be able to have conversations with Billy. I mean, Billy Williams and I sat at spring training last year and he talked about how he and, and Willie Mays and Willie McCovey and uh, just a, a whole bunch of different guys would go down in, in Mobile and they would have batting practice before spring training and they didn't have an L screen. So they'd pitch to each other and they'd have to, you know, spray it around. You couldn't hit it up the middle because you, you didn't want to, you don't want to hit one of those future hall of famers, but could you imagine just like riding as a kid, riding your bike by that, that baseball park and seeing all those dudes out there taking BP like what? And just the fact that he's sitting there telling me these stories. He told me a story how him and his brother barnstormed with Satchel Paige and Satch gave him each five bucks to go get on a, on a train back in the day. And it's like, what? I mean, you're hearing these stories about, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's like six degrees of separation, but only two degrees of separation from, from baseball greatness, from baseball greatness. It's like you're hearing a story from a baseball legend like Satchel Paige from Billy Williams, one of the best left-handed hitters of all time. So those moments never get lost on me. And, you know, to, to be able to have those and, and be able to share some of those moments with those guys and make moments that I'll be able to share with, with my daughter and, and she'll be able to share when she gets older. It's, it's pretty neat. Now, you know, Mark, he is on literally 24 seven in my house is probably the only thing I watch. I'm, I was just wondering. I'm sure you're sick of hearing my voice then, man, because sometimes <laughs> if, I, if I get home and, and it's on sometimes, I'll make sure I turn it down. So I'm like, oh, I, I'll leave it on, you know, but I'll, I'll turn it down. So I'm like, I, I can't hear my own voice all the time like that. Well, no, you know, you're going to laugh because like, you know, I, you know, I always tell my wife, you know, I, I'm going to do an interview with so-and-so, so-and-so, and, you know, most of the time doesn't really do, you know, do anything. But when I said Cole Wright, she's like, I know him. How do I know him? I'm like, he's the guy on the TV. All this. So she's all laughing and excited about that. But, you know, obviously the pre and post games are, you know, are kind of when you're center stage, but which, what do you, what would you say are some of the other programs that you've hosted that are some of your favorite? Like, what do you really like, man, I really love this program. I really think this is good content. Well, I mean, icons of the Ivy, you know, every single installment and most recently that, and this, we have one that's, it's getting cooked up. Uh, Mark Grace and I sat down and, it was scheduled for a half an hour. And I'm like, there's no way, there's no way we're only going to be able to go a half an hour. And they had to cut us short at an hour, but we could have easily gone too. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be fantastic because Gracie, I mean, he's just, he, he's, he has a story for everything and he's a great storyteller. And he, I, I love Mark Grace, man. You know, he's one of the guys I grew up watching. I mean, I, I played first base, not left-handed, but you still watch how he went about his business, man. The, the cat could swing it and, He's just, he's always, uh, he's a ball of energy when he comes through and he's always fun to do shows with. So once again, you know, these guys that I grew up watching as a kid, like if you, if I could go back and tell 11 year old version of me, 10 year old version of me, like, here's what, here's what you get to do when you, when you get, when you grow up, like, I think that version of me would be, be pretty tripped out. 
You know, and, and obvious shirt, uh, the best-selling shirt of the weekend was Dunstan to Sandberg to Grace. And you're yeah. on stage at the moment where both of those guys, you know, Dunstan hasn't done a lot of conventions lately. And, and Grace, he works for Arizona sometimes, and he hasn't been to a lot of conventions. To see two guys he, like he that. Hasn't, he hasn't been to, Grace, he hasn't been to one convention since he left the Cubs. I think he was at one. I want to say one, and I want to say it was like 2007 or eight, right around there, but just one. Just one. So to see those. He, he told me he hadn't been to any. So. <laughs> well, so when we sit here and we take a look at this here, man, to see those two guys back together on stage. I mean, for I was I was in the first row. I, I, I talked to you a little bit and that was just unreal. And you had a front seat to uh, Ryan Sandberg getting the statue announced. Like you said, yeah. stories that are going to go on that you're just always going to have. And from one camp cup fan to another, to see you being able to enjoy this, I live sometimes vicariously through you and just like, Oh, that's so awesome. Cole got to do that. But as a cup fan and somebody that loves marquee, man, you know, I'm just so happy to see everything that you guys are doing. And I just expect bigger and better things coming from marquee. When is that grace going to uh, premiere? Do you know? I don't know, but it, like I said, it, it's, it's, it's in the works. So you, you, I feel like everything that, that our team's able to put together, I mean, it's, award worthy we, we took home a, a few a few emmys at the you know, this most recent uh edition of the awards show and you know it's i'm really proud of the, the, the team that we have at the network you know whether it's you know at, at the very top you know mike mccarthy mike santini those guys you know they they run a well-oiled ship and they're fantastic to work for and you know our, our production team you know nick and malik you know those guys you know, they, they hold it down, What's whether it's Miller or, or, or Norman, those guys hold it down. And everybody in, in editing, just the, the whole team, it's it's a great place to work. I mean, I'm going to be – I mean, I've worked at a lot of places that we talked about. And, you know, I've worked, you know, at a lot of great places. And this this is the best. And it's and not just that, but I get to work for the Cubs, man. You know, after every pre- and post-game show, after every pre-game show, I walk across. If it's, if it's weather permitting, <laughs> you know, I, I walk across and – I'll go just grab a seat or go up to, go up to the suite. Or, you know, we have Marquis has a suite, you know, lucky to watch from there. It's a bird's eye view or, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll go in, into the booth and to be able to do that, you know, a kid that used to, I mean, when, right after college, I lived on Clark and Wrightwood and we used to try to, you know, bum as many tickets as we could or, you know, see how, how we could get to a game for as little cost as possible. And now to be able to do that, it's like, it's pretty special. I love it, man. Hey, thank you so much for coming on Fly the W, giving us your time. Looking forward to having you back in the future. And Cole, have a great 2023 season, and hopefully I see you in Arizona. Absolutely. Likewise, probably I'll see you there, man. Thanks.